Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was Respect from Aretha Franklin. A lovely way to start the programme here. It's Jazz Shapers, of course, on Jazz FM with me, Elliot Moss. The place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, soul and blues, alongside their equivalents in the world of business, a business shaper. My business shaper today, I'm honoured to say, is Kanya King, MBE, the founder and chief executive of the MOBO organisation, which of course is incredibly well known for the awards running since 1997. You're going to be hearing lots from her very shortly. And in addition to hearing from her, you'll also be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea. Some words of advice for your business. And on top of all of that, some brilliant music from the Shapers of Jazz, Soul and Blues, including some of the nominees for this year's MOBO Awards in the Best Jazz Act category. Here's one of them. It's Jason Rebello on Jazz FM. Let me lead you by the hand, fulfill your destiny As we reach a place, go home, I'll find no sanctuary On the road that leads to nowhere That was Jason Ribello and Lighten Up the Load featuring Zan Black, a nominee for the MOBO Awards coming up very shortly on ITV, actually. Kenya King is my business shaper today. She is the founder and also the chief exec of MOBO, the MOBO organisation, which, as I said, is very famous for MOBO Awards, but lots more also, and we'll talk about that very shortly. Kanya, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for inviting me, Elliot. Now, you're a rare species in a way. You're um, a very successful female entrepreneur. I've interviewed lots of them, but there aren't as many as everyone wants there to be. You started young, I believe, if I'm right, that you were selling bottles when you were a kid. <laughs> Is this true? Before we move on to other things that you did, amazing things. Oh my gosh, I'm laughing about this. Um, I mean, that, that you know, I, I ended up doing that at the, about the age of eight or something like that. Um, I grew up in Northwest London in Queens Park, and when you come from a large family. Um, I was the youngest girl of nine children um, so I couldn't wait to kind of escape to go to my local park which was Queen's Park and so I used to spend a lot of my time sort of collecting bottles which you could return to the local cafe and they gave you something like 5p and I I soon realised that all I needed to do was there was no investment of money it was just my time and I could generate a nice income so what better than spending you know your whole day in a fantastic park, tranquility, and yet, you know, generating revenue. But interestingly, I mean, age eight, and I, I have an eight-year-old um, son, um, there are many, many different types of eight-year-olds. Some are pretty entrepreneurial, some are just not. What do you think? I mean, obviously money, it was, I imagine money wasn't flush. If It, it, it depends, you know, you, you'll tell me more about that. But beyond the money not being flush bit, what made you kind of have that, do you think, have that get up and go, even at that very young age? I grew up in a very crowded council flat. So, you know, many of us children, siblings, and I soon realised that I needed to kind of help contribute, I guess, to the household finances um, from an early age. And so, you know, and I've 
course, I also wanted to dress rather trendy for school. <laughs> Even at eight, you were aware. It's amazing. Well, my mother used to um, take me to a jumble sale, the local jumble sale, and buy clothes for me. And of course, now they call it vintage clothing. <laughs> but at the time, it was seen somewhat differently then. And so I wanted to buy my own clothes and, and be, you know, go to school in all these kind of fashionable outfits. So I, I had, you had my, to find the money. Yeah, exactly. I had to find the money. And it sounds like um, that there were many other little businesses before the big business, which came mm-hmm. a, fair, mm-hmm. a fair amount of time later. That sense of responsibility... You obviously felt it quite young to contribute to the family. Um, You're from Ghanaian and Irish stock. Yes. Um, Was that work ethic instilled in you from a very young age? I think it definitely was because, you know, my parents came here to this country roughly at the age of 18, both of them. And it was a time, they came here at a time when there was notices on windows that said no Irish, no blacks, no dogs. So it was a very difficult time. Discrimination was rife. And, you know, my parents kind of struggled and my mother very much felt isolated from her family because, you know, parents were in Ireland. And and when she met, you know, a man of colour, she very much was ostracize it was very much you know you've made your bed you sleep on it so it was a very isolating experience for her so she didn't have the support of her family so but she spent you know obviously spent a lot of time you know trying to bring up her kids but also at the same time trying to find a living and that was very difficult for her stay with me to hear much more from my business shaper kenya king the founder and chief exec of the mobo organization time for some more music this is you touch my brain from algero featuring dr john Mm-hmm. Can you dig it? You touch my brain My heart and mind My soul is all the same Yes, T.I. is Touch my brain When I feel you near I just might go insane That was You Touch My Brain from the brilliant Algero featuring Dr. John. Kanye King is my business shaper today, and she is, as I said earlier, the founder and chief exec of the MOBO organisation and the MOBO Awards, um, celebrating fantastic music from all sorts of places now, um, has been going for almost 20 years and is going to be back on the screens of British television from next week. Kanye, um, you were talking about your childhood and how, you know, in a way, with nine kids, a lot of stuff going on in the house, you had to pull your weight. You had to find a way of helping, as you said, your mum and uh, and the situation at hand. I believe you also wanted to be, at that even in those young years, you wanted to be an actress. You had your visions of doing all these things. You, you still, you, I, I think you left school at 16 um, and you managed to fit in university for a bit. But like many, many successful entrepreneurs, it didn't quite work out for you, did it, in, in that world? No, I mean, actually, I left school at 15, to be 15. honest. Wow. Yeah. And I became a parent at 16, so I had huge amounts of responsibility. And I very much did not want to be a negative stereotype of a single mother living off benefits. So in a way, that motivated me to make something of my life. And I soon realised that, you know, I had lots of dreams like many other young people, but it would be discipline and controls that would turn that into reality. 
you managed to get your first mortgage at 17. Yes, I How'd did. How would you do that? You wouldn't be able to do that now. No, my <laughs> gosh, how things have changed. I mean, in a way, Properties was my first real business because, um, you know, having shared a room with many other siblings in a kind of crowded council flat, I needed to get on the housing ladder very fast. How did you do that? How did you get the money together? Well, I had multiple jobs, really. So I'd get up very early. I, you know, had used to do promotional work and I eventually had my own promotional agency because... That work fitted in with my lifestyle. You know, I could get up at all sorts of early hours in the morning and I could, whether it was doing marketing research or or work at the weekend, it kind of fitted in with, with what I needed to do, really. So, And you managed that even having a young child as well? I, I did manage it. I mean, um, I look back and I realise, wow, you know, how difficult it was. But actually, I needed to have my own place you know I needed to have my own space and it was I look back and I I realized it was the best thing I could ever have done but at the time my mother tried to persuade me not to do it because she thought it'd be a huge risk and my mother had this huge ambition for me to be a teacher and have a proper safe secure job that was her ideal for me but I had other ideas and and the first I guess the biggest other idea was to create the thing called Mobo tell me a, a little bit and we'll talk look much more after um, the traffic and travel which is coming up shortly tell me about where that idea came from well I uh, at a young age um, I was organizing lots of gigs and showcases for, for my friends because I had a lot of talented musicians as friends but they always looked beyond these shores they always looked to somewhere like America where they might get recognition and it was at a time I guess, where the musical landscape was changing and there was an audience out there that wasn't being catered for. And so that's why I guess I um, founded the MOBO Awards because I wanted to inspire, educate and motivate young people via the MOBO Awards to achieve their full potential. And you're going to hear much more about how the first show got put on within six weeks of actually getting the go-ahead. Latest travel, as I promised, in a couple of minutes. And before that, some words of wisdom for your burgeoning business from our programme partners at Mishkondorea. Hello, my name is James Libson and I'm a partner at Mishkondorea. My background is I look after people when they um, have disputes with other people, a litigation lawyer. Um, And that experience obviously means that I see people at really difficult times uh, during their business lives and sometimes during their family and personal lives. So what I'd like to talk about a little today is trying to avoid that. Um, And one way of avoiding Um, the contentiousness of disputes even once they've arisen is alternative dispute resolution and in particular mediation. Mediation is an alternative to taking your uh, disputes through the courts uh, where a skilled mediator is appointed and the mediator tries to find common ground uh, in very difficult circumstances between two warring parties. Um, It is a development that's happened over the last 20 years or so and has become a very sophisticated tool uh, to avoid um, disputes. It's not always appropriate uh, and the timing is very critical. The the mood of the parties has to be right uh, for it to work. But even in the most difficult, intractable uh, disputes where um, both sides think there is no prospect whatsoever of there being a solution, mediation often delivers results that litigation can't. Um, And it's worth bearing in mind, it's worth taking advice in relation to, and it's worth exploring um, before disputes become terribly bitter, terribly expensive, um, and terribly time-consuming. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. 
It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, every Saturday morning, 9am sharp here on Jazz FM and on British Airways if you happen to be flying, ft.com, cityam.com and all sorts of other places, I'm sure, in due course. Kanye King is my business shaper today. She's the founder and she's the CEO of the Mobo organisation. And you just started telling me about where that great idea came from, about getting people getting people exposed to music. That they, they, There was an audience there. There was no one doing it. You couldn't get any money to do this. I certainly could not get any money. I mean, I had this great dream for the business, you know, that would, I had the dream for the business that I would create this international platform in the form of an awards ceremony and provide, you know, diversity in the music industry by celebrating genres such as hip hop, reggae, gospel, you know, jazz, etc. But, um, you know, I was told that there wasn't an audience out there that would believe in it, it would never work. So after talking to many, many organisations and realising you know, that there was no way I was going to find the funding for this. I thought, you know what? If you believe in this so much, you need to put your money where your mouth is. And I didn't tell my mother at the time, you know, and I just remortgaged my house and I put all the funds in to pay for the broadcast of the ceremony. And 1997, first one, Tony Blair in the audience. Actually, it was 1996, our very first ceremony. And uh, uh, 1996, the first one, not 97, but Tony Blair's in the audience still. And Lionel Richie is your is your lifetime... Yes. Uh, achievement award winner that's right i mean we we um when we had been given the go-ahead by colton television they told us we've got good news and bad news for you <laughs> you know the good news is we're going to give you this tv slot but the bad news is we need you to put the show on in six weeks time and we've got you know little funding and that sounded very familiar but you know when you get opportunities like this you, you had to grab it exactly you grasp it with both hands yeah. and I thought you know we've got to grab this opportunity and I, I just wasn't sure how we were going to find the funds to put it on but you know what we had determination and we were very driven and I managed to enlist some friends together and I moved from my bedroom <laughs> where I'd been working and found offices in order to pull everything together and that first show was a huge success the first show was a huge success because we we did contact um tony blair was leader of the opposition at the time we'd had 17 years of a conservative government and he was seen as the kind of this big hope really change agent exactly that Mm. was going to kind of change the landscape and there's a lot of optimism around it and we contacted his office and of course when you contact him like you know six weeks before a show they said look his schedule has been set you know months and months in advance there's no way it's going to happen but i i remember saying look is it okay if we keep in touch with you just in the very, very small chance that circumstances might change and he might be available to attend? And they were like, fine about it. And there's a fine line between persistence and being a pain. And how did you manage to be (laughs) persistent but not a pain? Well, we said, you know, any good news that we had, we then told them about it. And so they didn't mind hearing all this kind of exciting news. And then I remember, I think it was about two days before our show, they said, you know what, don't get your hopes up high. But but it's coming. <laughs> yeah. it could be pretty- and of course we then went into overdrive, yeah. you know. And like eighteen years later, I think there's around four hundred million viewers, two hundred <laughs> countries, and it all started because Tony came. It's all about Tony Blair. It always is fantastic. Well, Tony Sherry Blair came together and they launched our very first ceremony. But not only them. I mean, we had you know Lennox Lewis supported it. Um, you know, we had all the the good and the great really mm. turned up in their droves, and it was seen as a huge success. Brilliant stuff. Stay with me for much more from Kanye King, my business shaper. Time for some more music from, indeed, this year's Mobo nominees. This one's from Andreas Varady, and it's Swing 42, written, of course, for those of you in the know by Django Reinhardt. Mm-hmm. 
That was Andreas Vardy with Swing 42, one of Quincy Jones' prodigies. My business shaper today is Kanye King, and we've been talking about how six weeks was easy, how getting the future Prime Minister to the first event, no problem. 400 million viewers, as I said, 200 countries later. In the last 18 years, and you said there's a fine line, Elliot, between persistence and being a pain, have you retained the ability to stay on the right side of that line? Because you are now, you're an MBE, you're a poster girl for female entrepreneurs, all sorts of fantastic things have happened. What have you hung on to that's kept you grounded and focused and successful? I guess, you know, what resonates with me so well is the the idea that we can um, support, champion and celebrate other creative talent. What I realise is there's a certain individual um, that we tend to kind of work with and support and they are individuals that... Ha- tend to come from a challenging background but have that kind of determination and big dreams that kind of audaciousness about them and that very much you know I have a kind of affinity with that individual and that's the type of person that we try to help and support throughout our kind of the mobo journey. Are there times though when you've seen artists along the way where they're clearly they've got the attitude but they haven't got the talent? Or they've got the talent, but they haven't got the attitude. I mean, what do you do? Because I imagine you're, I know your next iteration of the MOBO business will be around mentoring and things. I want to talk about that before we finish. But how have you made, ensured that you've played a kind of coaching role in that? I imagine you have. Yeah, there's, there are a lot of artists that we've worked with before they've become global superstars where, we, where we've given them their first break give or me, their give first me, platform. Give me a couple. Well, for example, um, you know, Endzubs, um, they ended up doing a kind of a music showcase for us um, and then they went on to win Best Newcomer and they've gone on record as saying that they wouldn't be around today even as individuals, if it wasn't for the mobile platform. But also Amy Winehouse. Um, Amy Winehouse performed at our nomination launch. She had this incredible, big, bold voice. And this was before her debut album. And everybody was just mesmerised. You know, these type of events, you have people talking and networking, very noisy, but no one said a word. Everybody just listened because, you know, she was just an incredible talent. And on the other side of it, the nuts and bolts of the operation and the business and the commercial stuff, you're quoted as saying... I didn't know anything. I mean, I don't do what I did. How have you become the businesswoman that you are now? You know, you're absolutely right. You don't know what you don't know. And I do remember how naive I was when starting out. Um, I, you know, I've done everything you shouldn't do when starting out in the business world. You know, I didn't have any mentors. I went into an, the music industry and I had no experience of it. Um, I didn't have any lawyers or legal people you know, amongst my circle of friends that I could turn to whenever I needed that much needed advice. And, you know, I, I, you know, I just basically did everything you shouldn't do when starting out. So I soon realised that it was important for me to build this kind of mastermind network around me because, you know, when you're starting your own business, your head is down and you're taking on multiple roles, whether that's kind of sales and marketing or, or whether that's, you know, finding office space, you're doing it all yourself. But it makes a very, you know, my mother said to me, where the right advisors are many, plans succeed. And so it was important for me to have that team around me that whenever I had kind of challenges, I could pick up the phone and speak to them and they would give me their great advice and wisdom. And that's why 18 years later, you're still going strong. Final chat coming up with Kanya today. Plus, we're going to play a track from MOBO nominee Zara McFarlane. That's after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. 
That was Move from Zara McFarlane, another nominee for the MOBO Awards, which are taking place next week on ITV. Another three-year deal, apparently. Kanya King, for the next few minutes only, precious minutes hour two, is my business shaper. We've been talking about the past. We've been talking about where you've come to now. You've got this fantastic three-year deal with ITV. You had six weeks to start with. Now you've got kind of the world is not quite at your feet because you wouldn't feel like that, I'm sure. But you've got big ideas for where MOBO goes next. Tell me a little bit about how you're going to take it on from the awards and, and the other things that you do. Yeah, most people know us for our flagship show, of course, the MOBO Awards. But there's so many other things we do. I mean, we... We um, produce multi-artist shows and events, but we also kind of produce tours. At the same time, you know, we work with many brands that kind of um, have the same ethos and values as us. And so throughout the year, you know, we have what we an artist development program and it's about helping and champion artists so they can have a sustainable career in the music industry. So we pull we put them with vital contacts that you need in the music industry in order to take help take you to that next level and we'll put together like a bespoke package for them so we provide you know whether it's producers or recording studio time or we try and mentor them so that they know how to kind of make money f- and monetize the, the, you know obviously the music they create so there's a number of things we do but we've also um taken an a huge step in terms of going into other areas um, in creative fields so that we can kind of support talent wherever they might come from but also help them to achieve success in their chosen creative field. Do do you think the reason why so many people seek you out for advice and want you to appear on television programmes and radio programmes like this one, is it because you've managed to combine a nurturing belief in talent with a commercial thing that works? Do you think that's what it is or is it something else? Yeah, I, I think it's because that we've been around a long time we are an independent organization that punches above our weight Um, we have a very high profile brand presence and that's in a way allowed us to you know extend our brand into many other areas so you know we we're also going to be um next year we're going to be having products music products that come out and so you know we've got you know we have big dreams and you know we have started to work with other organisations. I mean, we've partnered with HTC, um, the fantastic, innovative handset manufacturer, and we, we're doing a number of wonderful things with them. Just before I let you go, um, and good luck if it goes really well next week, I'm sure it will, what's your song choice today and why have you chosen it? My song choice is Curtis Mayfield, Move On Up, because it really resonates with me personally, but also I think it kind of demonstrates what MOBO is all about. Um, you know, the lyrics are very much, it's about keeping an eye on the prize, no matter what, and really kind of overcoming many kind of obstacles and challenges fantastic this is your song choice it's curtis mayfield move on up and thank you very much for being my business shaper today thank you Just move on up toward your destination. 
That was Curtis Mayfield with Move On Up. The song choice of my business shaper today, Kenya King. Someone who learnt the notion of responsibility at a very, very young age. Someone who had a vision for what they wanted to achieve and someone who has been continually persistent in the pursuit of achieving that vision and has done so fantastically. Brilliant stuff. Join me again, same time, same place. That's 9am next Saturday here on Jazz FM for another edition of Jazz Shapers. In the meantime, though, stay with us because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.